I might have breaking news. Breaking news? Hit me with it. I don't know if this is real. Well, this whoa, can't whoa. What's be your source. What's your source? This guy. He says he's a writer. This guy. No, no, no. Like this guy. I don't. I don't even want to say his name in case he's not. Exposed. This isn't real. But Bill Murray has been cast in a new movie. Okay. Okay. That's a great way to kick off the pod. Let's get going. Um, I'm trying to get a confirmation here, but this just this Twitter account is looking fishy. But another <laughs> big time person. That's classic movie Twitter, Ricky Flex. But a big time movie account has tweeted it and referred to that person as their source. Okay, Ricky Flex. Do I just say it? Ante. We could. It might look all right. We could take it out if it's not real. But go. Do, all right, you're not gonna have any guesses. Okay, so who he's starring with? Is that what you're no, saying? No, no, the cast of a movie. Like he's joining the cast of what movie? Oh, we already know Wes Anderson. He's in that one. Um, yeah, so it's not a hint. Not Wes Anderson. Well, movie. Ghostbusters. Like he's confirmed no, for Ghostbusters. No. Like oh, so it's something different. Something weird. So he, Bill Murray, is confirmed. Do I know this movie? Yes. Barbie? Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. Bill Murray joined the cast of Oh my gosh, that's on lights. It's a rumor. It's a rumor, right? It has Is it a to rumor? Be. It has well, to lights be. camera pod tweeted it, right? Okay, yes. I All right. This is the Drive-In Podcast, episode 60, take 1. Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to episode 60 of the Driving Podcast. On today's episode, we have the Express Checkup with yours truly, Dr. O. We have our review of Denny Villanueva's Dune and a new segment, Race to the Oscar, actually a throwback segment, Denny Villanueva versus Christopher Nolan, a clash of the sci-fi goats. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 60th episode of the drive-in podcast ricky flicks howdy doody episode 60 has arrived six zero holy cannoli dude we have maybe our most anticipated review of all time i know we say this every other week but i really mean it this time dude are you kidding me how are you doing flex what have you been watching i would just like to point out that uh there is a hocus pocus remake or two coming out and we were right High five. Boom. Let's go. Watch it on the YouTube. Yes. Confirmed. Hocus Pocus 2. Like we said in this last podcast, there is another remake coming out. We said it here first. Hocus Pocus 2. And not just the Hocus Pocus 2 movies in the works. Who just bought, Who was just cast? Sam Richardson. Tomorrow War Man himself. Any Veep fans out there? Any Veep fans? President Flick? President Fleck? Right? Is it, we have that right? President Fleck? Mm-hmm. Rich, Richard T. Fleck? Richard, yeah. Splat, splat, splat. Splat. Richard T. Splat. Yes. <laughs> we messed I, that up. But Ricky Flick, I got to admit that high five was unreal <laughs> over Zoom. That high five was unreal. That was perfectly timed. I don't know if you got the same thing from your end, but my end, perfectly timed. And I was not expecting expecting it to be perfectly timed. So I'm just honestly in a state of awe right now. And that is going to 
inspire me to edit this entire podcast on YouTube rather than just the Dune review, just for that high five. It's going to hit the trail. Wow. How are you? You're welcome. Uh, so, Ricky Flux, you are about to finish Squid Game, huh? About to finish Squid Game tonight. Yeah, if you tweet at me in spoilers, I'm not. it's not going to matter. So, yeah, suck on that. <laughs> yeah, so I, I haven't seen Squid Game. I've heard great things. I'm going to watch it tonight just because I've heard so many good things. I know Nez is a huge fan. Nez will be joining us for our review of Dune. He could not miss that. So thank you to Nez for joining us for that segment. But Squid Game, I heard it's huge. You see that what happened with LeBron? LeBron was critical of the ending of Squid Game. A lot of people are. So I'm excited to watch it tonight and seeing what the fuss is about. So I haven't heard anyone that, that has liked the ending. But did you hear the Squid Game director? Excuse me. Or uh, showrunner respond to LeBron? No. What? Wow, I love this guy already. So the Squid Game director came back hard at LeBron after yes. he was having that conversation with Let's Anthony go. Davis about the end of Squid Game. Don't he back said, down. I want to. I want you to make a show. I, I'm gonna. I'm Never gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna critique your ending of your show and say how bad it is. That's what oh. he basically said. Oh, that's basically wow. what he said. And let's not forget, LeBron James was a producer on and star of Space Jam Two. So I, oh my God. So you mentioned Space Jam too. I was going through like, so, cause I'm going through Dune. Uh, so we just, we're, we're ruining Dune here today. And I'm saying, all right, what has been a better movie this year than Dune? Uh, and I'm going through the list that, of movies that we reviewed this year. And I gave Space Jam a 40. I want to detract that so bad. That was a I mistake. Think I, I think I gave it 20s. I think I was in the 20s when I gave it. Uh, honestly, I wish I gave it in the teens, maybe. Not worse than Tom and Jerry, but close. It's that bad. Tom and Jerry, that was probably the worst movie we've reviewed this year. I don't, I don't yeah. think it's close. Without remorse, it's close, too. But Tom and Jerry is the worst. Oh, my gosh. But Dune, little teaser for this episode, is up there. Probably a top five score for both of us this year. Four. Yeah. Reviews. Definitely post-Oscars, right? Definitely post Oscars. I would say for the year. Yeah. All right. Ricky Huge. Flex. Let's get to the checkup. What do you say, dude? Send it. Let's check the audiences up. Universal's latest Wolfman movie, starring Ryan Gosling, looks to be gaining momentum as the studio has hired a director that knows the Oscar nominated actors work very well. Sources tell Deadline that Derek Sian France who teamed with Gosling on the dramas Place Behind the Pines and Blue Valentine is in talks to direct a new take on the studio's classic monster character. Next up, Brendan Fraser has been cast as the main villain, Firefly, in DC's Batgirl. Firefly is a pyromaniac and a traditional Bat Family villain. The movie will also feature the return of J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon and will release exclusively on HBO Max. You're welcome, recurring guest, J-Man. Next up, Dune has earned $40 million in the film's box domestic box office opening weekend. It now has made $220 million worldwide on a $165 million budget. Will we get a part two? Yes! Legendary on Tuesday has announced that part two is officially in development and will release in October 2023 only in theaters. No HBO Max. Next, James Wan, little DC News says the canceled Trench spinoff movie was actually a secret Black Manta movie. What a good a shooter. Next up, Ryan Gosling is in talks to star as Ken alongside Margot Robbie in the live-action Barbie movie. What? Perfect casting, if you ask me. Next, Sony Pictures exec 
Amy Pascal confirms that when Kevin Feige first suggested the Spider-Man deal with Sony to her, she quote, started crying and threw him out of my office or threw a sandwich at him. I'm not sure which, end quote. Next, Hayden Christensen. He is back. He will return as Anakin Skywalker in the Ahsoka Tano series. The series is set five years after the events of Return of the Jedi, therefore after Darth Vader's death. What? It is already confirmed that Christensen and his Anakin Skywalker will also be in the Obi-Wan series, which comes out in the some which comes out sometime in 2022. Next, on a somber note, Alec Baldwin fired a prop gun that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins and injured another crew member on the set of Baldwin's new movie Rust. According to IATSE Local 44, the prop gun that killed Helena Hutchins and wounded Joel Sousa, the director, after it was discharged by Baldwin and non-dead accident contained a, quote, live single round, end quote. Rest in peace, Helena Hutchins. Next, Emily Blunt is in talks to star alongside Killian Murphy and Christopher, Christopher Nolan's next film, Oppenheimer. Sources have reported that Blunt is being sought after to play the wife of J. Robert Oppenheimer, who will be played by Murphy, the scientist who ran the Manhattan Project that led to the invention of the atomic bomb. Oppenheimer will release in theaters July 21st, 2023. Now we have some TV news. And Sarnoff reveals that they are talking to David Chase about developing another Sopranos prequel for HBO Max. Chase recently produced The Many Saints of Newark for Warner Brothers and HBO Max. Lastly, more HBO news. Succession has already been renewed for season four after only two episodes into season three. That's going to do it for the checkup this week. Ricky Flex, Brendan Fraser, villain for Batgirl. How, what's the hype level at? It's mm, 9.5 out of 10. Wow. It's, it's impressive. He's on a tear right now, as in, he obviously, he was in no set of move that we reviewed here a steven soderbergh movie highly acclaimed uh, critically acclaimed director the whales coming out which he's starring in darren darren Aronofsky. he's cut the killers of the flowers moon next year with scorsese leo That's jesse Plemons, plump boy and uh de niro and he's got brothers coming out eaton cohen uh written movie uh the guy who directed palm springs um josh brolin peter dinklage is in that like he has a lot of work that's coming through the pipeline. And this is just another one, let alone a comic uh, book movie or a, what do you call it? Show like this is a huge. bat family movie. Are you kidding me? This is ma- monstrous. So this is, is the hype train is the hype. The hype level is at 9.5 out of 10. It's not higher than that because he's not actually Batman. <laughs> train has left the station on this hype train. The train has left the station. If you are trying to get, on the on the train it's already gone it's already gone the renaissance is fully in in active mode right now i don't even know how to describe it like he's just ready to roll he is working with all the best directors and he's culminating it with an appearance in a major comic book movie right which is obviously a batgirl and it may not be a batman character but guess what it's close enough we'll take a batgirl like we'll take a batgirl hey. villain after where he was hey. 10 years ago yeah exactly we'll take we'll we're take gonna take batgirl. this and run with it and i have no idea who this villain is and i'm a batman fan i have no idea who firefly is I, maybe you do do you know flex so i was just no idea what who or what it is but i was just looking at pictures you might need to lose some weight that's all i'll say I was going to say, I was going to say, this might be a new iteration of the character. And, uh, and with the whale, he's playing like a 400 pound person or whatever. Like, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. So hopefully this production's later, later down the line. 
yeah, hopefully he doesn't take that role too seriously. But uh, I, what makes me excited for this movie is that it's not just like, oh, it's on HBO Max. Yes, it's starring Leslie Grace from In the Heights, a young director. It's got two pretty much two very young directors with the Bad Boys for Life, uh, Bad Boys for Life duo. But J.K. Simmons is returning, which shows me it has some legitimate legitimacy to it. Also, a Batman will be appearing in the movie. Who that Batman will Restore be? Restore the Snyderverse. Who that Batman will be is still up in the air, but it's got me excited. And it should have everybody excited. And make sure you follow your dreams. And you can end up like Brendan Fraser. All right, Ricky Flex. What's another uh, headline that grabs your attention here? We have to talk about Ryan Gosling. Do it. Like, the, the perfect casting. The perfect casting as Ken. You cannot think of a better one. The blonde hair, especially, really captivate, uh, uh, sends it home over like a Chris Evans or another play, uh, I don't know, like a rom former rom-com to good actor, A-lister. The blonde hair makes it. The blonde hair makes it. He is Ken. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling on the screen together. Wow. Cannot wait for this movie. I don't know if it's going to be good. I have no idea, like what. Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig as the director. Oh my Greenberg. god! All right, it's gonna be great. Never mind. This is gonna. This do I dare I say Oscars? Is... Do I say Oscars? <laughs> off, are we doing off. this? But I think Greta it's like, Gerwig. Are we doing? You know what this? the vibe they should be going for, and like not the same type of movie, but the same type of tone is like a free guy tone, in my opinion. I think that'd be yeah. perfect for this type of movie, especially with like. Remember when Amy Schumer was supposed to star in this? My oh. God, what an upgrade! Holy <sighs> thank Nicole. the Lord. <laughs> that, that would have been a disaster, Ricky Flex. Playing Barbie. Playing Barbie. And they were trying to make it a body image thing. Now let's just let's just make the smoking hot Margot Robbie and star in this movie alongside Ryan Gosling. God. Like, like they, they, they totally bailed on that, on that whole uh that whole mission, you know. Um but yeah. yeah, no, I, I I'm stoked for that movie. Greta Gerwig is an awesome director, Little Woman as well. If we don't know, if you don't know her other works. Uh, Unbelievable. I mean, Hayden Christensen, we, we had another resurgence here. Hayden Christensen coming back for not one, but two Star Wars projects. Are you kidding me, Ricky Flicks? I know he has a tight relationship with Ahsoka, uh, his character, Darth Vader. Uh, Anakin Skywalker has a tight relationship with mm. Ahsoka Tano in like the Clone Wars. Yes. But I am shocked that this is taking place Mandalorian after the Mandalorian, and he's making an appearance. Do you think he's going to be limited to flashbacks here? I think it's going to be flashbacks or possibly Force Ghosts. Force Ghosts, as Ooh. we've seen, Ghost, uh, Return of the Jedi. If you haven't, yeah, this isn't spoiled. Everyone's seen Star Wars. If you haven't, you're just not into it. But you, you saw, like in the new, if you like watched Return of the Jedi on Disney Plus, they have replaced the Hayden Christensen. Uh, sorry, they replaced the the original trilogy Darth Vader actor with Hayden Christensen's uh, in the Force Ghost in the Return Return of the Jedi ending. So that's what I think it's going to be if not also flashbacks to like Ahsoka Tano's training or something like that, since it is her series and it's not an origin story, they'll probably need to like show some origin aspects of it. So you, so people that aren't as involved in star Wars, but will watch this, will will have an understanding of her character and you can't have her story without Anakin Skywalker, her mentor. And, integral yeah integral that's her mentor exactly i don't follow the clone wars as much but i do know that aspect and it was a huge inseparable in the clone wars in the first few seasons and ahsoka tano like what a what a splash on the small screen for the mandalorian so it's, it's yeah it was 
it was necessary that you included Anakin Skywalker in some way in the story, most likely a force ghost. I think that's a great call, Ricky Flex, especially with like, okay, as she goes on this journey. And Rosario Dawson was so good in that role. I don't know how they pulled off her look, but she looked amazing, amazing, very much movie quality with her appearance. Mm. Uh, I also want to talk about Emily Blunt. So this cast for Christopher Nolan's upcoming movie, right? Oppenheimer is starting to build. We're going to have a segment later in today's episode going over, right? Race to the Oscar. An absolute tight clash of the Titans with Denny Villeneuve. My two favorites. Christopher Nolan. Um, What do you make of this casting? Does it make you more excited for the film? Or is it kind of like right up your, right up like what you were expecting? Like, is it, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely what I was expecting. English, like go duo with Killian Murphy's English uh, origins, right? And I think a big aspect of this is, hey, a quiet place too, a quiet place too. Yes, like yes. just reunion. good chemistry on this. Yeah, this is just a reunion of that, but for possibly an Oscar contender here. So I think this is big for like this is big for them because you oh. feel like post Peaky Blinders here for Killian Murphy, like he's in a quiet place too. You want him as Bond. I'm just saying like, he's on a high right now. He's got a really, uh, if he ever wants a chance for critical success, like Oscar noms or anything like that, he's got to do it now, not later. And Emily Blunt, like she was in Jungle Cruise. She's doing the Quiet Place franchise. Like she's doing a lot of blockbusters. Like she's got to, like, if she ever wants a chance to like be core great as an actress, Oscar noms, similar to Killian Murphy, She's got to start putting the work, putting the drama work like this. So I think this is great for the both of them. And with Christopher Nolan, let's go. I agree. And this is Nolan taking on a different identity for his films, losing the sci-fi, gaining the realistic type of view. But there's still explosions, right? Still, still, yes. Visuals will be there. So it's like he's still maintaining those, I guess those sci-fi elements, I guess, for a movie, for a biopic in this regard. But Emily Blunt, she has turned a little mainstream. Like she does a lot of blockbusters, a lot of Disney type movies, whether it be Mary Poppins or Jungle Cruise with the Rock. Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. Edge of Tomorrow, which and is great. Quiet Place has gone. It turned into a franchise, right? Obviously, with a part two, but and there's a third one coming. I do want to say it's her tapping into like, okay, let's get back on track here. More of Sicario type of like roles mm. where it's a one-off and like you see the potential she had from that movie. Speaking of Denny Villain, the wave, she always, she always has been a great actress. It's just whether she wants to kind of go for it. Right. So go for it. Mary Poppins. She sort of went for it too. Even though it was a mainstream performance, Jungle Cruise, that's for a check, bro. That's for a check. So this is a different story here. This is a different story. J. Robert Oppenheimer, and you're right. You nailed it about Killian Murphy coming off Peaky Blinders. He's in it right now. He's mm. in it. I can't wait to see what he does after this movie too. Yeah, and I, just, I think just to be clear here, like this movie does have a July release date, so I don't think it will get any Oscar recognition because of that. I think it will miss the similar to like a Once Upon a Time, uh, as in like it just won't catch the Oscar buzz towards like Christmas time and beginning of like right when you lead into the Oscars in April. Um, maybe with maybe they can get like individual performances Oscar noms here, but on the movie level, I think it will miss the boat. That'll be tough. That'll be tough. And that, that's going to be a, a very telling, I guess, uh, detail when we go to our segment of the race of the Oscar. Could be a yes. very telling segment of uh, detail, excuse me. Uh, and then lastly, what I want to talk about Black Manta, right? Black Manta, they said the trench was going to be a, a, a basically a standalone for 
Black Manta, Black Manta from Aquaman, a spinoff for Yaya Abdul Mateen. Ricky Flex, were you interested in seeing this movie? Uh, no, but Yaya's in it, so I would. That's basically at the time the that the trench was announced. Would you want to see a Yaya solo? Movie? Oh no, pre Watchmen. Uh, so like before Yaya was full Yaya. No, that would just be a, a simple no. And the, it isn't because of him. It's more the James Wan aspect of it. You know, I just not a huge fan of his work as in recent work like Aquaman. I don't think was that good. Like it was a great spectacle to see in movie theaters, but like watching it on TV is just not very good. You just realize that. So I'm just not a huge fan from him, his uh, that his director or filmmaking point of view. I would rather see Yaya and other projects. I don't want to see him as Black Manta for an entire movie. I, I like I, I've been a proponent of seeing him as Superman in the upcoming uh, Michael B. Jordan produced. Yeah, Superman you can't associate series. with this I, then if you're going to do that. I, I I I don't think he should have done this anyway. Like it didn't have the same vibes as like a Joaquin Joker. If you're going to do like a a, a solo villain movie black manta like who's gonna go watch that dude like are you gonna beat even the numbers of shazam i guess yaya is a big name but i don't think it'd be worth it for him so i'm really i'm actually glad that we didn't actually get that movie depending on how good aquaman 2 is if yeah, aquaman just- 2 is a banger because of yaya then i'm i'm opening it Re- reopen that door right open that avenue for him uh any other stories here flex you want to tackle i guess just the last one is uh, the wolfman here um Derek Sion France, whatever, however you pronounce it. Obviously, he's had some history with Gosling, right? Mm-hmm. Place Beyond the Pines, Blue Valentine. I know that was a long time ago, 10 years, uh, 10, 12 years ago for each of those movies, but those are two bangers, especially Gosling performance bangers. So expect I'm expecting the same thing here now. I'm expecting the same thing, just a great Ryan Gosling performance. I'm not saying Oscars or anything like that. I'm just saying I'm expecting something that's going to be great to watch and a great performance by Ryan Gosling. Yeah, it's good to have that familiarity. Like, there's that's never a there's bad confidence thing. in this now. There's like especially a with especially two great movies. Like, it's not like, like like they've had a relationship and they've made two movies. These are two awesome movies. Like Blue Valentine, Place Beyond the Pines, one of the most underrated movies probably the last like 15 years that no yeah. one knows about. Like, no one knows about. It's Place very Beyond decisive the Pines movie because of. It's very decisive, a divisive movie. Yes, especially yeah, what they did with Gosling's character is that what you're referring and to? Yes, and also the ending to that as well. Like, there's just a lot of divisiveness in it, and like a lot of people it, either you like it or you don't like it. Basically, it should generate a lot more conversation than what it does. Right. To be I think, honest, it should and, generate a lot more conversation. And I don't think we'll get that with Wolfman. I'm not saying that, but I just think that is, in my opinion, I think it was a great movie, and because of directing and Gosling, so I'm excited for this. All right, Ricky folks, that does it for the uh, tr- uh, the checkup this week. I do want to touch upon the trailer roundup. We had three major trailers drop, three blockbuster trailers drop, I should say. We had one with Ambulance starring, guess who? Yaya Abdul-Mateen and Jake Gyllenhaal in a Michael Bay thriller that's due out February 18, 2022. We had Red Notice starring Gal Gadot, Ryan Reynolds, and The Rock that's due out November 12th on Netflix, November 5th in select theaters. And then we had Uncharted, which comes out in early 2022 starring Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. Ricky Flex, out of these three, which one are you most excited to see? Uh, Tough. All right, so I should just say this. I don't think any of them are going to be good. Like, like for you, like 70 or above, like for your score? I think, I think, all right. 
for, for thermometer, thermometer predictors for each of these ambulance. Oh, like yeah. Ambulance. I'm going to go 69. 63. Okay. Red notice. I'm going to go. I think they're just because of the stars that are on the screen. They're going to bump it up. So I'm going to go 70 and then uncharted. I'm going to go the exact opposite. I'm going 33. Uncharted looks terrible. Don't trust Uncharted that looks at all. terrible. That chemistry, you cannot sell me on Mark Wahlberg, Tom Holland chemistry. I don't know if you saw the intro to the trailer uh, with uh, Holland and Wahlberg, like basically telling you about the characters and the video game and stuff. Do not believe in that chemistry. Do not believe in the story. You're telling me this is the greatest treasure hunter of all time is Tom Holland's character. And he's a bartender. And the only thing he's done is read history books. No offense. Like you. Like, then he's just the greatest treasure hunter, hey, treasure hey. hunter of all time. You're telling me Dr. Rose, the greatest treasure hunter of all time. Think again. <laughs> so I just don't have faith in any of these movies. Ambulance, I think, was the one that was like, this could be this could be really good. Like, I'm giving it Mike, a chance. But Michael Bay, I don't know. And they showed us a lot in this trailer. They basically showed the movie. Jake John Hall looks crazy. He looks crazy in this. And movie. coming you off, know what of- I got, I got Jeremy Renner in the town vibes from Michael, from Jake John Hall in ambulance. Ooh. I had J, I had Jeremy Renner in the town vibes. He's gonna go absolute rogue, just like he did with Ben Affleck in the town. Like that's something I'm looking forward to. I, have, I'm looking forward to ambulance more than all three of these movies. Red Notice, a distant second. Uncharted basically off the chart for third, basically yeah. off the chart. Like I don't, I, I was, I don't have a passion for the Uncharted video game. A lot of people are saying Tom Holland is miscast. Obviously, it's a younger version of the character, but you can't like turn me off from a movie more than when you cast Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> like I hate Mark he's Wahlberg. You, you can't trust Mark Wahlberg anymore. I, 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 I don't like him in movies. Like I, if he, especially nowadays, given him in 1997, yes, I'll take a Mark Wahlberg movie. Give me Mark Wahlberg in 2021. I mean, for God's sakes, he starred with like alongside uh, Post Malone and Spencer Confidential. You can't yeah. ask Infinite. me to actually believe in him. You cannot. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the only way I could ever get convinced of him doing something is like Martin Scorsese. He's like, hey, play a Boston guy for me. And then he's just back right. on the scene. Like, I don't think there's a chance. He's just going to keep doing these action, eat, like terrible scripts, I, I'm assuming for this movie. But, you know, and just ter- he's turning like, into Vin Diesel. Whoa. Honestly, I'll say something now. Whoa, Vin whoa, Diesel. whoa, what are you about to say? Vin Diesel is bigger than Mark Wahlberg, arguably. Oh, my God. Dude, Fast and Furious is monstrous. But like uh, Bloodshot, when he tried to do something other than Fast and Furious as a franchise. Yeah, okay, I'm not as a person, but like in movies, well, I'm not, I'm not he's more he's reliable. He's more reliable, is what I'm trying to say. No, but I'm, you no, know what I'm you're getting saying, at Fast and Furious. I'm movie. saying the Bloodshot franchise that was trying to be started with Vin Diesel did not do well. Uh, That's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, I guess what I'm trying to say is like he's not in anything besides Fast and Furious in my eyes. So I'm just looking at Fast and Furious movies, and you know what you're <laughs> going to get with Vin Diesel. You don't know what you're going to get you, you with Mark Wahlberg. You assume bad. Vin Diesel, you just, it's gonna stink. So, yeah, and the stunts won't save this movie. Fast and Furious, they're saved by the stunts and the visual. It seems like Wahlberg at some point in his career in the early 2010s was thinking like, okay, maybe I'll get like an uh, a, like a dark horse Oscar for stuff like Deep Water Horizon. Right. <laughs> it's like such a long shot that he was gonna no get way. That. But he's like, there is a chance. I'm like, You're it's saying a there's a chance. Base. It's a blue collar state movie where I'm I'm the common man. Like it's just it was never going to work. Yeah, and no. then he went back to these movies. I, Mark Wahlberg is done, bro. He's done. I'm I'm calling it now. He's done. 
Sad. He, he needs like a PTA, like Paul Thomas Anderson or like Scorsese and be like, hey, just come be a supporting character. Like, we'll get you back on your feet here. Like, he just needs one of these guys that he's been successful with in the past, one of the claim directors that, you know, won't miss with, with guys. Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but what with Matt Damon. Why not? I again, I don't trust. I don't trust this man with any like you could put him next to Leo. I don't know if I would trust him. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but out of these you need a director shows, behind him. Like Red Notice looks super corny. And at the time, Red Notice was purchased for the film rights. It was the highest purchase of right. any Netflix movie of all time. So it's like it, disappointing that it's come to this where it's like kind of being forgotten about, which is very sad with three huge stars like Gal Gadot, The Rock, and Ryan each Reynolds. Of them, so basically, if you have two people who can't act, right? But they're huge movie stars. And then you have Ryan Reynolds who can kind of act. Right. Sorry, that's three, too cool. No, but uh, you have three like people that have been voted like sexiest person on the planet, like yeah. on the screen at the same time. And they're all like Ryan Reynolds is at his peak right now, mid Deadpool. Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. I know she probably would, would have liked to have done this after Wonder Woman, not after 1984, but she's at her peak. And The Rock's obviously at his peak. People are saying he's going to run for president, for God's sakes. So you have all these like popular Apex. figures, yeah, all their peaks, sexiest people alive, you know. So this is just like people are going to see this movie, even though people have forgotten about it. Right when it hits Netflix and it's shown like right when you open Netflix. You're most telling me all time. it's going to be the most dream, uh, movie of all time. I completely agree. And only other thing I'll say on this, actually two other things is one reminded me of fast seven. I believe Scotty furious, please correct me if I'm wrong, where the rocks in prison and he has to break out of prison and he like, he's framed or whatever. Reminded me of that or no fast six, fast six. And then also when the rock goes, are you not entertained that he gets hit by the CGI bull? That's when the corniest was like, all right, this is too much. Terrible. The CGI bowl was terrible. I, that, that's like, when it took me out completely where I'm like, yeah. I will not review this for the podcast, <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but also, we, will. Um, we have to. Yes. Yes. But ambulance does not look as corny as I anticipated. Yes. There are some big like blockbuster type of like explosions with Michael Bay as anticipated. The performances have me intrigued, which you don't usually say about Michael Bay movies. You don't usually say. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I used to, I'm thinking of the, so I watched the guilty this weekend and now the I Netflix thought, movie. I thought it was great. I'm going to, I haven't done a rewatch. I think it could have been better. I think some Fuqua elements were bad or not necessarily great or helped uh, the movie. Anti Fuqua, the director, but I thought Jake Joan Hall still the show. He was the movie. I I, I would probably give it an 80, maybe I, I, I gotta 80, watch. 81. I think it was unbelievable performance. I, I think I'm, I'm a lot of, it's definitely like a movie where it's hard to watch. So the audience score is only at like a 50 or something or below even on Rotten Tomatoes. So definitely you got a divisive really? like presence there, but I thought it was a great movie. Unbelievable. Like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Awesome. So I'm getting like similar vibes with this one, but it's Michael Bay. I might score it high, but I don't think Rotten Tomatoes will. 63. I'm giving him guess. a chance. I'm giving him a chance just because of the cast and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, frequent listener of the driving podcast oh yeah every week but so that does it for the drop that does it for the checkup that does it for the trailer roundup we will now move on to our highly anticipated review of Dude. all right boys Dude is here from warner brothers from dylan denny villain to wave and on hbo max we're going to give you the rotten tomato score we're going to give you the imdb and the audience score then the synopsis and then we're diving in we're getting in 
Let's go, Dune. So Rotten Tomatoes currently has it at an 84%. It also has an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb and a 91% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So here's the synopsis for y'all. Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, only those who can conquer their own fear will survive. Okay, there's your synopsis. Boys, this is my most anticipated movie of back uh, uh, 2020, back when we did that top billing draft. It was my most anticipated 2021. So, there's a lot of expectations for this movie. Did it live up to the hype? Nez, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it lived up to the hype. I went into this. I didn't know anything about this. I didn't read the book. I don't know the old movie, so I didn't really know anything. But I mean, I don't think I don't remember the last time uh, I saw a movie where it really felt like I was transported into like another universe, like another world. Like I felt like I was fully immersed in the world of dune and and i thought the acting was incredible but honestly bigger than anything like the special effects the sound design the score hans zimmer killed it again like just 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 give him the award already like he's it it was like the sound design on this movie is gonna win every single award and every single award show It, it just has to um as far as the movie itself like like i really enjoyed it a very unique story told um Man, it was it was weird. It was like it felt kind of Game of Thronesy, but like not at the same. Like almost like mm-hmm. sci-fi, more like, but in less fantasy. But it was um, it was it was really sick, and and I thought it was really cool to see uh, maskless Darth Vader make his return to the screen. Maskless Darth Vader. I think that's a great call. That's a great <laughs> call. Baron Harkonnen, <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård, talk about awesome <laughs> acting performances, who also survives, right? I think we should also say, like, first Whoa. off, this is going to be a spoiler Whoa. review. We should make Okay, this. okay, yeah. We yeah. should. Like, there's so much to talk about. It's been on HBO Max, made $40 million plus at the box office this weekend. I couldn't agree more. It's going to win every single award in terms of special effects, and then maybe plus some, and then maybe mm. plus some. I freaking love this movie. I saw it once in IMAX. I saw it once on HBO Max the next morning, and right before this pod, I started watching it for the third time. I, I can't get enough of this world. I really think that we're about to enter this new great sci-fi franchise that's going to be this generation's Star Wars. I, I, I don't even think that's an overreaction. I think it's that good. Whoa. Ricky Flex, what are your thoughts? Wow. What are your expectations going in? Well, not Star Wars, um, and I don't agree with that since there's only going to be two movies and spinoff shows, but obviously I had high expectations. In the first anticipated draft, this was my number one. In the second one, this was my number two uh, behind Spider-Man No Way Home. No Way Home. But- what did I draft in those draft guys? Because I, I feel like I'm missing out. Oh, I remember wow. Tenet. 2020 was like between oh, this and Tenet. okay. All right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Wow, Tenet. Tenet, <laughs> man. Tenet is good, but Dune, I had high expectations, obviously. And you know what? It lived up to the hype. It lived up to the hype. I don't, because Denny Villeneuve, whatever you want to say, how you ever want to say it, has such a great array of movies. They're all very serious, great psychological thrillers or action movies. Like 
they are phenomenal. So this was like blockbuster esque. Like his like shot at like he has this huge cast, huge budget. Going off of this, like Dune, like the book has influenced some of the greatest sci-fi movies or franchises ever. George Lucas has said that he has was inspired by Dune for Star Wars. That was one of his inspirations. Uh, you have the Alien franchise and a bunch of others. I'm not going to go on. So there's high expectations, not just from this podcast, from people that have not seen the Dune original movie and read the book, but also people that have adored this the book and original movie. So I think it lived up to the hype. The cast was phenomenal. I thought the performances was great. Were great, and I th- like. I'm ready to get into it here again. Like this is spoilers, so I'm ready to get get nitty gritty into this. Okay, so if you're ready to get going, I was going to ask, like, how comfortable were you guys with this material, with the book and everything? I think we've already covered the bases there. Where we haven't read the book, we're not that familiar with the story, but we know, know the inspirations that have. I wrote a blog, from, right? I wrote a blog on if I should watch, if I should read the book before seeing this movie. And did you? And no, I didn't. I, at the end of the blog, I, a spoiler for the blog, I say, don't read, don't read the book. Don't read the book. <laughs> Cause don't there's going to be two book. parts of this movie. So. Right. But that's come from someone who's never like, doesn't I think you should story. read the book. They say it's like the best sci-fi book of all time. Yeah. yeah so- 60 years in the making, right? So it was made six years ago. 60 years ago, they made it? Yeah. Yeah. The and there's Whoa. a bunch of sequels that happen. So Ricky Flex saying this franchise is going to be cut off after two movies and two shows. You're out of your mind. Well, not and, maybe not two shows. And, but Ricky Flex, like this movie only explored two different planets. Three. Three different planets. This three. world has not even been touched yet. And our, we're going to get to like potential spinoffs or movies. I can list at least five on the top of my head right oh, now. For sure. What well, they could do. Spinoffs This is for going sure. to be huge. And why, what I, why I said like this could be like the next Star Wars. This, this Dune Part 1 to me felt a lot like A New Hope for Star Wars. Right? There's a lot of hype, a lot of anticipation. This is supposed to be a new type of movie that has never been seen before on screen. And we're anticipating this to be nominated for some awards. You are. And if we can recall, episode, uh, so episode four, right? A New Hope was nominated for Best Picture. I can see this movie being nominated for Best Picture. The next movie, Denny, Denny Villeneuve wow. has said it's going to be a lot more action similar to the next sequel to Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, which is heralded as the best in the franchise, was not nominated for an Oscar. I could see this next movie being better, yet not, not, not being nominated for an Oscar if you smell them cooking. More action-packed. I think yeah. the opposite. Wow. Whoa. The less I- action? No, 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 no. Nominated for Oscars. I feel like this one. All right, let's take a step back here. I didn't know we're going to get into this right away, but I I told I told these boys uh, over the text chain that I was ready for battle for this movie. And I'm battling here. This is a mainstream movie, obviously. And it's not a comic book movie. So you think it has a shot for an Oscar. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's still a huge movie blockbuster action uh, action movie. I know this has a lot of exposition, a lot of setting up for the sequel, but Let's look at previous franchises that are similar to this, a la Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. You did not get an Oscar nom for that movie until the last one. Any recognition? Return of the King. You did not Fellowship get best, didn't get one. No, you did not get best director or uh, best picture noms for those movies. So I don't feel like this one is going to get it for this one. It's going to get it for the next one. That's how I feel. And I feel like a lot of people are going to think this movie. At least from speaking to other people. They feel like this movie dragged a bit, which I, I disagree with, I, but they feel like this movie dragged a bit. I feel like it was setting up for the next movie where the next movie is just going to just going to run. 
straight sprint through the movie and it's going to be amazing. So I think that one has more potential for Oscars for not just the background Oscars, like cinematography, score, visual effects, production, costume designs, but actually like director, best picture, more of a chance second movie for me. So, so I actually hear what you're saying when it comes to this movie not being nominated for best picture because there is a lot of exposition and world building that's going on in this movie. World building, yeah. Uh, so, but at for best director, I could totally see it. I could totally see that him getting a nom for this. I mean, it is just such a well-crafted movie. It was and tough. like everything is just it's amazing. And the like the world building, they built it very like very like i i don't know anything going in and now i like, i have a very good idea of what's going on in this universe um and also i mean just like the shots like every single shot he was like i'm gonna make this the most epic cool shot ever and he just did that with every scene like everything was just so sick all the shots in the desert the freaking giant worms the shots inside that like palace thing like it was beautiful and the set like the mm-hmm. the set was in was amazing and like i said i just felt like i was transported to a different universe and so if there was anything i would i could that they were getting like any major uh nominations that they would get i would say probably uh best director and, and possibly maybe timothy chalamet so i but yeah but we'll talk about like acting in a sec but i want to talk about the best director opportunity he denny villanueva is taking on a project that another famous director well-known director and a great director david lynch ultimately failed at he failed at adopting this such dense material this large scale book that he couldn't condense into one movie mm-hmm. villanueva had the vision to make it a two-part movie and you're right every shot here is purposeful it's gorgeous I, it's, it's a lock for best cinematography. I think let's yeah. start there. Let's start at cinematography. Did you guys have like favorite shots in the movie? Uh, what, what aspects did you like the most? Did you like being in the siege in the desert? Did you like being in the world of Atreides? Did you like see what the Harkonnens were uh, working with Ricky flicks? What drew you a lot? What drew you most? I, I should say to the cinematography. That had to be the sandworms. The sandworms is what everyone was looking for when the trailer first came out. And at the end, was the sandworm staring Timothy in the face. Like that's what everyone was looking for in this movie. And the way they worked it with the sand and throughout the movie in different ways, I thought was very impressive. But just to take a step back with the cinematography here, I know I mentioned this on like a podcast like 20 episodes ago, but just to remind maybe some new listeners here, the cinematographer in this movie is Greg Frazier. He's done Rogue One. He's done Zero Dark Thirty. He's done this movie. He's done a lot of good work throughout his career. His next movie is the Batman. It's the Batman, people. Get even more hype for this because, wow, wow. he did something amazing. It's, this was a spectacle. This is There is no doubt this is going to win. Like, put it in the bank. I don't care. Any comic book movie, this is better. Like, put it in the bank right now. And then his next movie is going to be a comic book movie in the Batman. Got me even more pumped for the Batman. Didn't think that was possible. That's my this time. is the most gorgeous movie I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, I got like <laughs> Lord of the Rings is gorgeous, but I think Dune is even more. If you're, it's like the visionary of Denny Villanueva and Fraser here. Like, I don't think I've seen anything like it. The closest thing is Denny Villanueva's previous movie, Blade Runner 2049. Mm. When I think of other like gorgeous movies, nothing compares or is like this movie. 
Even Star Wars, it does not compare. Maybe if Star Wars was made in 2021, we would see something like this. But I did get a lot of Rogue One vibes, so it makes sense, makes sense that Frazier was the guy behind Rogue One. Another beautifully shot movie. So I have two thumbs up for the cinematography here, and I can't wait to see what's coming next. Uh, Nez, do you have any like favorite shots from the movie? Uh, I, I don't know. I think I listed a bunch of them, really. But, mm-hmm. but um, I thought, actually, when they're standing... When they're blowing up like that city, there was one specific shot where like all of these things are coming down and it was so sick. That whole I think that whole scene was shot insanely, insanely. The Harkonnens Harkonnens invading House of Treaties. That Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. might have been the best scene of the movie. Best like sequence of the movie that that's like that's when the movie was in like first gear. And then it just put the pedal to the metal and just full throttle. It's going to be a a full on sprint for the rest of the movie. I loved it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then also what goes hand in hand with cinematography usually is the score and then in the sound editing. I thought the sound was great for an IMAX theater that I was in. A couple of times I had some tenant vibes where the sound's kind of booming over some of the um, dialogue that's going on in the movie. But, not, Dolby. but but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Like, and I watched it on my on HBO Max uh, twice times after. Right. And so I, I feel like it, it, it really worked. And I, I love how they have certain scores for characters in this movie. And that reminded me a lot of star Wars, like mm. Darth Vader's walking in. You have the dark Darth Vader theme here. You have the Benny Gesserit walking in. You have like that Benny Gesserit like theme music that comes like in, it's like a part of this. Like if you are adapting a sci-fi franchise, that's something you have to include. And I think it nailed it. It nailed it. The menacing score for the Benny Cassera was one of my favorite parts of the movie, especially the sound, especially sound wise. And Pan Zimmer today confirmed that he will be the guy in Dune too. So thank thank God for that. And oh. I think the music after the deaths was honestly the highlight for me. Wow. Just the, oh, <laughs> it was, it was incredible. I was a big fan of Hans Zimmer in this, like put him as a lock is an, at least a nom here. I know we have a lot of great movies coming out the rest of the year, but probably going to win. Probably going to win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk, let's dive into the story here. Cause we've talked about the cinematography. We've talked about Oscar noms. Um, what, what are some of the things that you thought about the characters and the, you know, the direction that the story is kind of going? I like what I saw. I didn't know anything about the book going in, but it had these like themes of colonialism, imperialism, like, mm-hmm. uh, these value of resources being taken from a territory. I'm a history teacher. So I'm super into like what's going on there. Like, that's what I'm teaching, mm-hmm. uh, especially with these, like, uh, impoverished countries or like peoples that are having things taken away from them for another group's benefit. I love that aspect. And it's something that like gets lost. I think in such a visual spectacle. And right. I, I can't wait to see Paul Atreides, someone who's coming from this like higher uh, class, right? He's like house Atreides. This is like the rival house to the emperor. Right. Mm-hmm. So they think that he like the idea of him associating and then making an alliance like his dad always wanted him to in their house to with uh the well, what are they called the Yerman, right? Fremen. Yerman? Furman, excuse me. Fremen. Freeman. 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 So like making Fremen. 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 Okay. Making the uh, a lot of weird names Fremen, in this. It, it like just it has 
Like, yeah, but the main character's name is Paul. Possibilities. It has un- <laughs> yes, Paul. It has unlimited possibilities of like what could happen afterwards. Yes, you're going to get this major battle, but what other type of worlds are going to collide? What other types of people will collide in this final battle that almost feels like it's going to be like a Return of the King vibes, like final, like like almost like uh, anticipation. Right, yeah. And I, I think that's what is supposed to happen. My roommates read the book, so he told he kind of told me that there's going to be perhaps, spoiler alert, skip this. But there's probably going to be a huge battle in the next movie. Um, yeah, it's in his vision. So, so that's yeah, that's true as well. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention that I already forgot that I wanted to mention. Hold on, just give me one. <laughs> It'll come. Should I go? Oh, while you wait, or are we yeah, you you just... go, you go. I thought the story itself was very good. I thought the implications, politics, like similar to Game of Thrones, the action, all very good. I also want to say. I thought it was impressive that the plot lines were so clear and all the political disarray and mm-hmm. going on behind the scenes of House of, of Treddies. Like, obviously, you're following Timothy Chalamet and Oscar Isaac, why they're going to the desert, but behind the scenes with the Harkonnens and, uh, uh, you know, the uh, Benny Jesserets. The Jesserets, thank you. The Jesserets, and they're kind of like the behind the scenes, like jet Jedi's, basically. Like in Star Wars, if you want to do a comp- analogy there, like the Jedi's behind these empires, and then you have the Harkonnens and everything going on. The uh, the Fremen, I think there's, I think they did a very good job making it clear plot lines throughout, even though they could, it could have easily fall apart, fell apart. So I think they did a very good job of that. That's why, like, again, I'm giving this movie credit compared to the original Doom, which I haven't seen. But what people always say is that they try to cram in this huge universe into one movie where here we're just setting up basically the next movie, which is also a fault in its own. But then again, I love this movie still and really like the story in it. That seems to be the main uh, detraction from this movie. If you look at reviews, if you look at online, they think it's too slow in the beginning. I think it was necessary, to be honest. Definitely. You have to explain these characters, their people, this world, how they interact, all right, and the importance of certain resources and planets. And I think Mm -hmm. it was masterfully done because, right, you can lean on great acting. This cast is unbelievable great cinematography and a great score. So you're never bored by it because I think the pacing was actually pretty good too. But Ricky Mm -hmm. Flicks is exactly right, right? They laid everything out in front of you. It was easy to understand. As I watch it for the second and third time, I'm like, dude, I think I know this. Like, I know this. I know this universe like the back of my hand. I really think I do. Like, you can ask me any question. I think I can can nail it now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just find that like people that are saying that it's slow in the first act, like, okay, fine. But I just don't think it's as bad as what people are saying. I think it incorporated the necessary exposition points, the necessary introduction, introductory plot points, but in each in an, like an intriguing way. Like the voice, the Jedi basically mind trick voice, right? They did that in an intriguing way with Timothy Chalamet and Rekha Ferguson. And you said with the great acting, Oscar Isaac being a believable dad figure, younger dad figure. And... Mm-hmm. You have Josh Brolin, his introduction in the fight scene, introduction to the hand-to-hand combats and the shields with Timothy Chalamet, Jason Momoa. It's like not a comic relief, but a lightheartedness to the movie that you don't mm-hmm. usually see in Denis Villeneuve's movies. You don't really get a lightheartedness character like that. So that was interesting to see. So those that's like basically the first act that you and then there obviously the shift to Akaris, like the desert the desert power right so mm-hmm. i thought i did an effective job of being intriguing throughout the first act the exposition basically and not boring at least in my eyes nailed it yeah, yeah. 
I wish I, I wish we had a little bit more Oscar Isaac in this movie. Obviously, you had to tell the story. But first of all, I mean, top five beard I've seen this year, I'd say. Incredible. I mean, that beard, that beard absolutely. Is, is absolutely amazing. And his character was great. Um, I, I don't know. I thought he was like actually a very honorable guy. He's very he's not what you're used to when it comes to, you know, high born, like rich people in these movies and shows. So I thought that was very refreshing. Um, I also almost lost it when he was talking about growing up and he said, he was like, I always wanted to be a pilot. I'm just like, yes. Oh, that's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a call right there. That was a call back a little bit. I mean, it had, right. It had to be. You guys brought up the beard. I was thinking of like Halloween costumes this year and I like have this massive beard in my hair right now. I was just like, okay, I was going to be Jon Snow again. I might have to be Duke Leto Atreides. I just might have to send it and be him. I just got to get that armor suit, dude. We got to get was, that armor so suit. I was, I brought this up to my girlfriend. I was like, I want to, like, I want, I want to be a character and dude, I want to, I want one of these suits. But like, I was, she was like, oh, no one would like know who you are. I think enough people have seen this movie. Over yeah. 2 million people uh, in households and HBO Max subscribers, 220 million worldwide. And only 40 million or not only, but 40 million domestically. I think people would know like with the nose thing, that would be a good Halloween costume. Oh yeah. It, it like, there's going to be some like less known costumes at the party. You're not going to be the less known. The least yeah. If people, if people don't know, like haven't seen the movie, that's one thing, but like, They've they seen had to have seen a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still. Yeah. It's everywhere. The advertising has been everywhere. Exactly. For sure. And then, like, you brought up Oscar Isaac. I thought he was phenomenal in this movie. And I think a a part, a detraction I have for this movie is that we didn't get enough love for a lot of these characters, a lot of these great actors. But I kind of wanted to dive in and see who were some of your favorites and uh, what does the future hold for them. So, Ricky Flex, who's your favorite uh, character from Dune? So, I'll go off the beaten path here just to keep things interesting. I'll go Stone Skarsgård. Ooh, he was awesome. I, I think he was great. I think he was menacing. He was, he's like, what, the, what do we do with the Fremen? Kill them all. As he goes back into the anchor oil or whatever the heck that was as he's healing. He's and, menacing. And mm-hmm. he's like floating to Oscar Isaac across the table and his gut is like just bursting out. And mm-hmm. I got, and also he, he just looked, does not care. And then finally, I thought he had a lot of like apocalypse, apocalypse now vibes, like Marlon Brando character and that. Definitely a lot of those vibes and that Marlon Brando is phenomenal in that. And I felt that same energy coming from Stellan Skarsgård. So I think I'll go off the beaten path and say him for now. Baron mm. Harkonnen, dude. I, I, I like that pick. I think that he should have been uh, drafted in our underrated draft. I, I think he's an awesome villain. I really love him, especially in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I think he's mm. incredible Chernobyl. in that scene with Daniel Craig. He's awesome in Chernobyl. Uh, that's definitely off the beaten path oh. based on some of the other characters here. But uh, and, he, and he lives to go into part two. And, and real quick, when he said, speaking of just funny moments in the movie, he like the first time he ever floats and you realize he, he could float, he goes, <laughs> Akaris is my dune. Leo meme once upon a time like, <laughs> pointing at the team. At the team. Oh yeah. Right. When they say the name of the, of the movie in the movie. Right. Right. I love it. I, try, I love I try, it. I tried to make that a TikTok for our, the drive-in podcast. Whenever there's like, they say the title of a movie in the movie, I go, and then it got a lot of like love slash hate on TikTok. It was like <laughs> a controversial pick. They're like, this is so bad. It's good. Yes. <laughs> but Nez, which characters did you dig during uh, Dune? 
Um, I like the I like Josh Brolin's character. Um, I also liked the Fremen woman who was um I can't remember her official title or position, but um she's the one that called the giant worm at the end. She's the, the ecologist came. for yeah. the Imperium. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, Sharon right. Duncan Brewster, I think yeah. is her actress name. Yeah. So I thought I thought she was good. Like I didn't like her at first, but then like she grew on me. And obviously her ending was like pretty epic. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I like Momoa's character, but like he he just I, I maybe dies in the books, but he just did not have to die there. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Just walk out. Just walk out the side <laughs> thing. Are you serious? I, I agree. But they were cutting through like the door. They were cutting through the door. He had to hold him off. Oh, the door. right. Because oh, he, he technically he gets stabbed in like the, the stomach and then they're still about to cut through the door. He gets up again and then he hacks him to death. Yeah, and but he, saves he him fights again. him for like five minutes and they all yeah. just stand there. Just 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 leave. Right. There's a and, secret door. And, and, and Ricky Flex, you brought up the Hodor vibes. Very much Hodor <laughs> vibes, I would say. Uh, and, uh, like that was like I got chills during that scene when like the score hit. He locked the door and then the yeah. door was like the door's locked. And then he just goes like here. Up the forehead. Okay, let's go. And he was honestly the scene stealer of the movie. Like Duncan I, Idaho. He was great. And he is a great spinoff. Name. I want great to see. name. Duncan, Duncan Idaho. Idaho. That's an action hero. You feel like he should be an Indiana Jones or something. You know, yes. Idaho, Indiana. I know somehow you can find a way to like split the two. But he was great. Um, Timothy Chalamet was a beast. He was a beast. Yeah, he, I thought he was really great. As so much, like, I we, love to. He, he's a guy I love to hate. Do, but yeah, do you? I think uh, a lot of people did do. a great job. But, all right. Well, this is a good question here. I found this out right before we started recording. Do you know how old Paul is supposed to be in this 15. movie? He's supposed to be 15 years old. Oh, wow. So, like, no wonder, like, the first act of the movie, like, Timothy Chalamet is, like, you know, running up to people, hugging them, acting all childish. He's 15 years old. <laughs> like, yeah. And then by the end of the movie, he, like, finally realizes his powers. And he's like, I am Paul Atreides. Like, I am the future and the present. And I'm the one. Right. Nice. And so I, I, I really dug the ending before we go into like that aspect with Zendaya, who I want to talk about, like Timothy Chalamet has never dove into this like action realm before. Like he's always this dramatic actor, this one that is known like, yes, he could be the next Leo. And he has those type of expectations set upon him. But I thought he murdered it in the action scenes too. the combat, the hand to hand. They we really worked at Mm -hmm. it. You could tell. And so I I, like it's we just had that story that come that came on social media a couple of days ago where someone told him never do a superhero movie. This is the closest he's ever going to get to be doing a superhero movie. And this is such a sci fi. It seems like almost like an epic almost like a classic that's about to like that's unfolding in front of our eyes. So I was just excited to see him in this different type of perspective where we're not used to seeing him and trying to prove the haters wrong a bit. I thought the hand-to-hand combat scenes were insane. I thought they're incredible. I was incredibly impressed. I was more impressed with the hand-to-hand combat scenes in this than Shang-Chi. Wow. Cause I was kind of expecting it in Shang-Chi with the martial arts. This one, I was not expecting it to be that good. I love the scene with Josh Brolin and Josh Brolin. I think low key was my favorite character with Gurney. First of all, you don't see him die, probably making an appearance in the second. Movie. Exactly. So, I, but I the part that. where he makes the speech and he takes on Chalamet, uh, takes on Paul Atreides. And then he goes and he's talking about the Harkonnen. He's overacting out of his butt where he's like the Harkonnen, they're brood. 
brutal. And then he's just going nuts. I just love that about Brolin. He's serious all the time. And you can tell even from like the I am smiling scene. Like he'll, he just never will drop character. Yeah. I love it. You didn't like it? I didn't like that scene. Overacting. That was, he's overacting, that, but I yeah. love it. And that was, that was bad. Right. I didn't like that like screenwriting aspect of that, that little dialogue there. Unneeded. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Zendaya because Zendaya was used for a lot of the promotion of this movie. She was, and uh, she's obviously probably the biggest star alongside Chalamet from this project. Uh, were you guys disappointed by her screen time in this movie or were you comfortable knowing what's coming in uh, part two, uh, Nez? I'm completely comfortable knowing that there's another movie. Um, I, I, I kind of felt like that was going to be the case. Once I started, you only saw her in visions. I was like, okay, well this, this woman is not going to appear in this movie till very late. Yeah, you definitely got the those vibes, and and uh, it's come out that I think Denny uh, Villeneuve has even said like she's gonna be if one of if not the main character in the second movie. Like mm-hmm. she's she's gonna be a prominent character. So I really was okay with her, just in the flash forward, flashback, whatever you want to call it, sequences, which I did not like personally. I, I, it was like kind of just there for you to distract you, see like you don't know what's going on, you can't predict what's going to happen really, which I don't I like mind, that. but I just didn't like them. I thought it was just a bunch of wasted time, but whatever. I like how it's like it almost felt like uh, I didn't like this movie, but it felt like Bandersnatch, Black Mirror Bandersnatch, where it's like pick your own destiny, like what's yeah. going to happen. You know, I like how it's keeping you on your toes, like this might be a possibility, this is a possibility, but it's also another opportunity you get to see your favorite characters, like after Duncan Idaho's death, you get to see Duncan Idaho in these like flash forwards, <laughs> right? That okay, this could have happened, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, I think she had an awesome narrating voice so beautiful so pure over the desert what a way to start the movie i think i was just stoked that we got her voice in the beginning because i i think even before we saw this movie that's when the news came out like she'll have a more prominent role in the second one but uh i don't want to divert too much from paul's story because i'm so much i'm so locked in after the end of this film Mm. all right uh any so i guess where we should kind of wrap up here any spinoff ideas you guys have or any expectations for part two? Like, what do you want to see most from this expanding universe? I want to see a big old fight with a lot of swords and crazy cinematography, maximalist. I mean, that's what this movie was, was maximalist, but like maximalist, giant, huge Return of the King battle, battle of the mm-hmm. bastards-esque. Love it. Flex, what do you want to say? Well, it's been confirmed that this is like doing the sisterhood or the the Jezzeret, Ben being Jezzeret, whatever you ben want to say. Ben and Jezzeret. Uh, they're going to have their own spinoff series on HBO Max. And I think Rebecca Ferguson is going to be in that. And uh, Denny Villeneuve is going to direct the first episode. I think that's big. And like we mentioned, like they're kind of like the Jedis of this, of this universe. So I think that's very interesting. And someone that we haven't mentioned was the uh, Ben Jezzeret herself who's also the high priestess in uh, game of Thrones. Like, Oh, right. We actually, we haven't mentioned her yet. I thought she was great in her one scene, but very memorable scene with the box, the pain box. But um, besides that, like, I think obvious, a big obvious one would be Fremen versus Harkonnen throughout those 80 years, the Fremen, like their underworld society, right in those sandworms. And then you got the Harkonnen just dominating in the above ground world. So we'd love to see Mm -hmm. that, uh, uh, that, relationship and that spinoff 
it's so that could happen. Uh, I'm down for both uh, for both of your ideas. Like I like I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. But what I also want to see is the emperor. We haven't seen the emperor, the one that is calling on, right, the House of Treaties to take on uh, Acarus, right? Acarus, did I pronounce that right? Is that right? I keep Acarus, confusing. You the got names. it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, having this emperor show up, I'm interested in who they're going to cast. And then also from the initial Dune movie back in 1984, the Bene Gesserit end up developing this new chosen one because they don't approve of Paul Atreides. And who is that character in 1984's Dune? It's played by Sting. So I'm looking to see who's going to be a character. <laughs> That's hilarious. But who's going to be that character to rival Chalamet? Can you imagine if they cast like a Tom Holland as that character to go against like a, oh. a Timothy Chalamet? Oh. Can you imagine that? Take that idea, Denny. So, Take that idea. Wait, so you think, okay, well, now I'm kind of looking really ahead at the end of Dune 2. So we're thinking if Paul's the one, right? Or like a Jesus Christ figure, you don't mm-hmm. think he dies in the second one? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think Chalamet would want to, to be honest, based on like the stories we've heard not about being him tied down to career, a franchise. Not being tied down. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Agreed. But I think that'd be cool if you had like a, a young actor on the same level of a Chalamet kind of like rise up, be the chosen one, almost a, a, definitely a villainous type role for the Benny Gesserit. But I also wanted to see in a prequel type of spinoff. I want to see how House Atreides gained so much power within the Empire their mm. rise because i get a lot of like house stark vibes from oscar isaac's character duke leto so i want to see like there's so many different aspects you can explore it's crazy i want to see a duncan idaho spit off too like what was he doing uh on the on akaris while while he was there for those that one month right where he almost battled and found his death Remember that scene that uh, came out of nowhere? Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to actually see that. There's so many different avenues, like the Harkonnen, what, what they were doing on a chorus for 80 years. There's so many different places to go. And there's so many sequels to this book. They can either follow the books or even divert a different direction. Mm-hmm. I, I Again, going off of my earlier acknowledgement with the Fremen versus the Harkonnen, Javier Bardem in this movie, beast. Like, absolute beast, the, the leader of the Fremen Ooh. that you see here. He was awesome. I think, like, obviously, you remember the scene with the spitting, the spitting intro, another little comic uh, happened in this movie, a little comedy in this movie, but uh, that you don't usually see in Denny Villeneuve movies. And again, like, you know who also helped write write this movie with Denny was uh, Eric Roth. Eric Ooh, Roth. I didn't so, know like, that. Forrest Gump, like, extremely loud, incredibly close. There's a lot of comedic aspects of those movies. Also going to be uh, adapting Killers of the Flower Moon with Martin Scorsese later next year. But going back to this movie, like probably those comedic albums probably came a lot from him. Cannot be from Denny. Just cannot. If you're looking back in his career so far, just very serious, disturbing movies. So you definitely got a lot of that in this movie, in the, in this movie as well. So I just wanted to mention that. Interessante. Hey, let's hop into some scores. What do you boys say? Nez, hit it. I'm going with an 89. I thought it was a beautiful movie. Cinematog- like The cinematography was amazing. The acting was incredible. The, um, I mean, just everything about this movie was great top to bottom. Um, I just think, you know, it, I don't think it was necessarily slow, but it wasn't, you know, there, there's, there's not much they could have done, but the story itself wasn't as compelling as it's about to be. I mean, it really came to a head at the end. I thought it was just all in all, just a great movie, but um, I'm 89 is a really good score. So I don't know why I'm like trying to justify it, but but I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying like, um, 
I think the next one's going to be, I'm going to give a little bit of a better score because there's going to be more to kind of pull from. There was a lot of world building, but it was beautifully done. Great story. Well told. Beautiful cinematography, sound design, costume design, acting, everything top to bottom. So 89 is my score. Flexstar. 90. I'm very similar. 90. I walked out of the theater thinking 88, rewatched it on a TV. And I just liked it even more. I think, like we mentioned before, I think the story is well put together. I think they just kept the, the plot lines were simple, yet compelling and interesting and not necessarily simple, but they made them to us simple. So I think that was very impressive. Huge cast, huge effects, visuals, everything you want, whatever you want to say. Very good directing. You know, we set it through this review. So 90 for me. Not a lot of flaws in this movie, boys. I'm going with a 93. I'm going with a 93. One of the high, one of the highest scores for any movie I've given this year. Uh, well, I think a Minari, I gave a 94, but 93, I think, is right up there. Uh, so that's going to do it for our review of Dune. Make sure you check it out in theaters and on HBO Max. Next week, we, we will be reviewing Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch and Edgar Wright's Nez's Boy, The Last Night Dude. in Soho. That movie's going to be awesome. It's going to be sick. That's going to do it for our Dune review. We will now move on to our race to the Oscar, Denny Villeneuve versus Christopher Nolan. All right, Ricky Flex. We are back with race to the Oscar. I don't think we've done one since Jake Gyllenhaal versus Ryan Gosling, both who make appearances in the checkup this week. We have two sci-fi icons, absolute icons. I don't know, Ricky Flex. Did you happen to check out the Christopher Nolan interview with Denny Villanueva prior to Dune releasing? I saw some clips and uh, basically them just saying, you're the best. No, you're the best. You're the best. No, you're the best. Pretty so, much. I listened to the whole thing. It was glorious. Glorious. There, and that's well, what inspired this idea. And I think I, mean, I, think no, I should say it. here. So I've said it before in this podcast that Christopher Nolan is my favorite director. My second favorite is Denny Villanueva. Villanueva, however you might be my number one now, (laughs) but he is my second. So I should just clarify that. So this is like my dream here. This is a big Ricky flex segment, big Ricky flex segment, arguably the biggest Ricky flex segment. So Ricky flex, we have Christopher Nolan coming off tenant, probably a lack, the almost a dent in his armor compared to the rest of his filmography. And then we have crazy to say Denny Villanueva who's coming off Dune, which you could say is right in the middle of like the, the greatness of Denny Villeneuve. It's very much up his alley. I kind of found Dune to be kind of vindictive for Villeneuve because of Blade Runner 2049. There's a lot of similar vibes to Blade Runner in Dune. Blade Runner was not accepted well, but it kind of had like a cult status following its release. I think a lot of the same elements he uses, especially visceral, okay, what you're seeing on screen, I think it was like, okay, people will finally understand who he is, especially after Arrival 2. I think he's peaking right now. I think Denny Villanueva is peaking right now. And then you have the OG as in Christopher Nolan. So who do you give the edge to in this bout? Hmm. So it's interesting. When we do these races to the Oscars or we're talking, I'm thinking, all right, well, you look at the past and you say, all right, will they even ever get one? Let's just say, like, because a lot of times at the Academy, they don't give it to people right away. If you don't get an Oscar right away for, like, a great piece of work, then more likely than not, it's going to take you 
the rest of your career to try to get there. And then at the end of the day, they're either just going to give you one at the end, something that might not be better than something you've done previously, mm, or it is your best work at the end. So I think with these two cats, I think it's going to be the same thing. I don't know if they'll ever create something as good as what they've done before, but I think they both will get one uh, either. I'm not saying um, in one or the other, but they will get at least one of either best director or best picture. Now, the other thing I look at is, all right, what do they got coming up? Because obviously the race to the Oscars, who's winning the Oscar next? So what is the projects that they're on next? Denny V, obviously it's Dune, right? And then like Dune two, part two, and then you got the uh, Cleopatra movie coming out. So he's got a separate Cleopatra movie. And I think uh, also Gal Gadot and uh, Patty Jenkins. Denny's directing that? He's doing a separate one. Oh, one that's not Gal Gadot related. Right. So gotcha. obviously I'm going to watch this one over that one, but that's not the point. So Dune 2 and then Christopher Nolan, like he's got Oppenheimer, which we talked about in the checkup. And that's pretty much it as at this moment. So we t- I, I mentioned the checkup, like that's a July movie release, like not going to catch the Oscar buzz. Dune 2, October, like it'll be just at the beginning of the Oscar buzz. Boy, it's gonna be such an event, blockbuster event, similar to like a Lord of the Rings, Return of the King style, maybe not that big, but like huge. It's gonna be Denny V if, if you're gonna go race to the Oscar right now. Because I think he will get at least best picture, best directing for the Dune 2 at this moment. I agree. Um, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here. Uh Christopher Nolan, he always does these July releases, which pushes push puts him at a disadvantage. He does for it for the movie theaters for us. Yes. So he doesn't care for that Oscar yet. He's still nominated year after year for his work. And you could argue that he paved the way for a guy like Denny Villanueva to win an Oscar, right? With movies like Inception, Interstellar, like these sci-fi uh, gorgeous movies on screen. You could say that he paved the way and like for Denny, Denny Villanueva to even be nominated and potentially win even for this year for Dune. That's right. I said it. There's a possibility Villanueva wins this year, this year. Um, I would be a shame if you had Nolan win for Oppenheimer. I would, I would, I would kind of revolt from the Academy after all like the great work he's done and they give him like, okay, you're finally settling down into maybe a more Academy appropriate type movie. Like I would, I would, I would totally veto that type of behavior. Cause like they're going to celebrate Denny for this movie, presumably because the Oscars need a mainstream movie. They need a mainstream movie to kind of like catapult themselves. They, that's why they and extended, like gain viewership. They, right? they extended the best pictures from eight to 10 because of, well, yes. And then like yeah, for this had, reason, the yeah. Dark Knight back in 08, whatever, it was only a five-picture category back then. They expanded it to 10. It was only yeah. five. So it's 10. You're opening up for movies like Dude. And then, obviously, Tenet didn't really pan out the way that Nolan was anticipating, even in a weak movie year, which is kind of sad because that seemed like, okay, this was his shot. Mm. Wave has definitely got the lead here. But if he doesn't win it for this upcoming Oscars, I think Nolan, it kind of puts him in the driver's seat for whatever project he does next. And I know he's settling down right now. He's kind of like going back to, okay, uh, not even going back. He's kind of just initiating himself with these type of movies where it's not this big sci-fi spectacle. We'll have those elements. Yes, but 
I think he'll go back to those days of Inception, Interstellar, these creative sci-fi movies that kind of have uh, defined him and then helped evolve well, directors like Villeneuve. Well, that's what he does, right? That's what he does. And I think that those are harder to win an Oscar for. And I know definitely uh, Denny, like you look at all his movies, Arrival, Sicario, oh, sorry, Arrival, um, Enemy, Prisoners. Most of them are, uh, even Blade Runner 2049, you could say psychological thrillers. Uh, Blade Runner for sure. Sicario, I guess you could you could say the same thing, but not to the Prisoners. same extent. But uh, it's like those are also hard to win an Oscar for, a la David Fincher, Hello, uh, Fight yeah. Club, and Nailed it. Uh, uh, Seven. Damn, so. he's like a tour. He's like a dude. Oh, my God. He's a tear between the two greatest directors of the 21st century. Yeah. So uh, David Fincher is my third favorite, by the way. So, But moving on. Uh that's why oh, I, I think these guys this is such a good debate between these two specifically because they aren't going away from like their roots here. Like David Fincher, like obviously like he did fight club seven in the nineties. Right. And he's been able to like transition to like a social network. And he also did Zodiac and Oh, Oh, eight, right. Oh, we, um, but like oh, seven, so, Oh, seven, like sci thrower, but like he's been able to do dramas, right. He's like, he did uh gone girl, which is also kind of a thrower, but gone girl, social network like mank was his oppenheimer mank basically so it's just like he can do both and he tried for the oscars he that's not working out so guess what he's doing the killer with michael fassbender tilda swinton exactly going back with the writer from seven so it's like these guys i think i think the world of them they make i and they make my favorite movies but The like race to the Oscars, this is like the most intriguing one because you just don't know when because you don't know what projects they're going to work on. And the ones that they have lined up aren't Oscar type movies, except Dune 2, possibly. And I know you, you're your favorite, or you're like Dune just 1. Just Dune 1. Sequels so if, rarely make so, it, bro. So basically, what I'm saying here is that if one, if if Denny doesn't win Best Director or Best Picture for Dune or Dune 2, we could see another long, long, long time of these three directors. If I throw in David Finch, Fincher here, not winning an Oscar, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I love how you brought in Fincher because literally Villanueva is a tear between the two, especially when you bring in prisoners and enemy. Those have much more um, Fincher vibes than they do Nolan vibes. Then you have Blade Runner and then Dune that much more tear towards the obviously Nolan type of movie. So I am, it, it's Villanueva. If he doesn't win for Dune, then it's up in the air between all three. We're just bringing all three in together right here. I, and then, yeah. because honestly, Fincher, his, what, what Nolan's doing with Oppenheimer, right? More appealing to the Academy. That's exactly what Fincher just did with Mac. It's exactly what he just did. Where this was his opportunity. And now Fincher going back to his regular roots, they're probably going to be rewarded like a la Scorsese for things that they are best known for. Scorsese probably should have won for Goodfellas. He should probably should have won for Raging Bull. But what did he end up win, winning for? Probably his fourth or fifth best movie in the genre that he was most comfortable with, if that makes sense. So you had Departed, which is nowhere near the level of a Goodfellas or Raging Bull. But my... In my opinion, it's oh, not. Yeah, I think it's spectacular. I still think it's spectacular. I got the poster hanging in my in my house and everything, but it just goes to show my point about like how they kind of have to just go back to the regular roots, go for it, and if that doesn't work, 
it will end up paying off in the end because you're going to be rewarded for being such a great entertainer, being a great enter, uh, director and just being a great visionary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I should, I, I said, Denny was my number two. You know what? David Fincher is my number two. That was an idiotic statement. I think Fincher is my number one. I think I've said that before in the podcast. Yeah. Denny's three, but I, if I do, Denny doesn't miss bro. I know Denny but- has not ever missed. He did. Right. He's done his foreign films. You could say he missed there. His worst well, films probably. What do you mean he's missed there? No, 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 no. I say he's probably missed there. I'm not saying oh, it's oh. all his movies. Well, he's I will say at some point there. Hey, before not, he even got in the English language game, he got nominated for best foreign film. That's why. Exactly. That's no, 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 no. I'm not yeah. saying for that film. No, no, no. I'm saying, okay, so Sicario, Arrival, which I think is a masterpiece. Arrival is better than Blade Runner 2049, in my opinion. And I think Blade Runner 2049 is amazing. I mm. love Arrival. Arrival's amazing. Mm. I might watch that later well, tonight. All right. uh, do your do your Denny rankings. Just do your top five. All right. Let's because he doesn't have a lot of movies that are English language. Like, um, like obviously there's like only with Dune. Let's six. list them out. So let's list them out. Well, so we have Blade Runner. Well, in order, in order by like English language, like Enemy was his first one. Prisoners was the same year. And then it was Sicario. Arrival. Next, then Arrival. Sicario, then Arrival. And then 2049. And then Dune. Wow. So what a run. Like I, I've said I've said this to you before, but now on the podcast, I think he was the best director of the of last decade. I think just with that resume is insane. Like, like in my opinion, and out of all those movies, I think Enemy is the worst one. I think so too, but that's because I'm not as deep as other cinephiles. Like I feel like other cinephiles yeah. would say enemy is so good, but I think like I didn't really it's understand so... the tarantula at the end. I think it was very much like you have to like, to watch it a couple times to actually understand right. uh the themes of the movie. But that I, I didn't yeah. have it that high. Right, yeah. I so like all right, so if enemies both out, then what's your number five? Between prisoner, Sicario, arrival, 2049, and Dune. Yeah. Man, holy cannoli. I love Sicario too. I would have to go, man. I don't want to say Dune, but that. What do you think, bro? What do you I would, think? I would say Dune. I think you, Dune. Dune. You think all those movies are better than Dune? So I think twenty forty nine is not as good as Dune. I'll say that. Twenty forty nine has much more lulls in the movie than Dune. But 2049 is a reintroduction to this universe, mm-hmm. and it just it drags at times. It really does. I, I said I, it. it's a great movie, and it does like Dune. Also, you could say drags a bit, but not nearly as much as 2049. But I think that the Deacon's element changes the game. I do think that cinematography is Beautiful. much better than Dune. I think it's better. I think the images I, and the color, the color scheme in that is incredible. And I think that the detective, the detective. Uh, storyline with Gosling and even who he really is the reintroduction of Harrison Ford also if you want to go blockbuster elements franchise elements as well I'm a 2049 guy I would I put that ahead of you Dune. are I'd probably I, go I, I, my I would number put 2049 one. I would put 2049 ahead of Sicario and I think Sicario is an amazing movie I wouldn't I don't think I would just, I know. Just I'm just saying. The elements I've my, already said. I think my my top three: Dune, Prisoners, and Arrival. Those are my top three Denny Villeneuve movies. Mine would 
I, I know a lot of people don't like prisoners from the disturbing aspects similar to an enemy. Uh, or no, somewhere. Oh, what did I mention? No, no, some, like as in like enemies kind of weird, right? And prisoners like disturbing Very movie. Weird. Um, so like, but prisoners is my favorite Denny movie. I, I think it's incredible, but I don't think it's the best. But if I do a top three, it would be Prisoners Arrival 2049. Wait, wait, say it again. Prisoners Arrival and what? 2049. Wow, you have 2049 your top three. Okay. Yeah, I think it's that good. I I, I think it's amazing. People forget Ana de Armas is also in that. But yeah, <laughs> um, side note. And Dave Bautista. But yeah, I think it's, I, I honestly think it's phenomenal. I guess, oh, man. I, I'm going to stick with what, where I have 2049 just because I'm, I think Dune kind of like opened my eyes a little bit in terms of like the uh, world building aspect. I know mm-hmm. that you have Blade Runner as a sequel, but it was so far gone. You still had to introduce different elements of that universe. So, and, and Gosling's amazing. Cinematography, as you said, Deacons is freaky. And- he's, he's a goat. But uh, Arrival was, I think Amy Adams should have like been not, uh, was she even nominated for Arrival? She should have been if she didn't. Uh, and she then was. also the cinematography for that movie, you can't dismiss that, right? Where you have the yeah, aliens yeah. against the projectiles against the screen. I think, I think Dune's incredible. better than I Prisoners think has than the best acting performances in any Denny villain away movie. Wait, which movie? Prisoners. Oh, yeah. I best agree. Best performances, that. whether it be Detective Loki or Hugh Jackman. Two best performances, and they're both in the same movie. Dune, I might be overhyping it a little bit. I love a. I already went through. I love Arrival, Sicario. I guess that and Twenty Four Nine are almost a tie for me. But yeah. dude, he doesn't miss. That's the point. Yeah, the point is he doesn't miss. And like his worst enemy, in our opinion, is Enemy. And I think that's a. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a phenomenal movie. I think yeah. it's great. And it's speaking about performances, deep. and yeah, really deep and complicated, and just weird. But Sicario, I just think like obviously they had like the highway scene. Uh, on the bridge and culturally she, relevant she, she, to like people know like actually know what's going on in that movie yeah emily blunt we're talking about her early on in the episode this was her like star making performance where she showed like wow she has chopped yeah benicio del toro's on another His call back to traffic basically and benicio del toro that finale with him the one-on-one is so good it's that, so good is, and then the that, entrance that was, scene with the yeah. cartel jesus christ and then and, also the highway scene god dang yeah, and Sheridan. This is like Sheridan's coming out party. Before yeah, he, you're right. Before Hell or High Water. Like, this is like his coming out. Like, hey, like, this is how good of a writer I am. So, no, I I, I think a lot of people would have Sicario one or two, I feel like. But I, just not for me. I, I think I'm not it's willing four. to do that. I, we are both big Prisoner fans. I know we both love Dune. And I, like, I love Arrival. I think Arrival is one of the most underrated movies mm-hmm. in the past, like, 10 years. I think the first... The first time I watched 2049, 2049 arguably would have been last. But now after I've seen it so many times and now like I fully understand it, I at least, you know, like as much <laughs> as someone could, I think it's just a spectacular achievement. I think it's incredible. And especially you, you, see, the, you see like the three like, uh, in, like sneak uh, short stories uh, prior to the movie and just interwine them. I think it's I think it's just a real achievement. And it's sad that no one saw this movie. And the reason why Dune 2 didn't get confirmed is because of dude, 2049 not getting box office numbers. That I is saw the reason. The, that was that was that was in the interview. 
How crazy is that? That well, is insane. They, it wasn't that hard of a take, though. Like it wasn't that hard of but a 2040... stance made by Warner Brothers. Like they were, they were, well, they were lenient that they were going to make a Dune two. Villeneuve said that he would have liked to shoot him back to back, but it would have been too exhausting on the cast. I don't know if you heard that part of the interview. Yeah, like he would have liked that to do too. that, and it would have been too expensive. It would have been too expensive. Yeah, that's also a good point. But uh, what was I going to say? I also want to say Arrival has one of the best twists in a movie too, like a recent memory. I would say like good. the twist in it is so good too. I like I I I think we should eventually do an Arrival review. I think we should eventually Arrival. That would be a good one. I was gonna say something. Oh, right. It is about the legendary and Warner Brothers like split. It's more like that was because of uh, legendary. It, uh, they are the ones that had a green light. Uh, Dune 2, not Warner Brothers, because they, they came had out with the announcement. They had 80% of the rights. Warner Brothers is like 20%. So that's why, like, that's why, like, legendary, like, it wasn't like for once, hand up. Like, I thought it was not Warner Brothers' fault of meddling with franchises and what and movies, not their fault. Gotcha. Man, good to know. So, Ricky Flex, any final thoughts where we wrap up this debate that we kind of just had a strong agreement with? If you want to wrap Fincher in here too, I think they're none of them are got, are going to win an Oscar in the next two years, um, as in this year and next year. Um, hopefully, Denny for Dune two. But I'm not ruling out Denny for this year, bro. I'm ruling him out. Uh, we can call back and do like a video if I get it, this wrong here, but I'm ruling him out in my top five Denny movies: Prisoners, Arrival, 2049, Sicario, Dune. And then enemy. And then enemy. All right. Instead, instead he's like the foreign language film that got nominated for a best foreign film. I heard that's incredible. What was your, so what was your number one? Well, prisoners is my favorite. Is my, is my favorite. So game I, game. I have prisoners as my one. So mine. Is oh, prisoners. really? So yes. Wow. I have prisoners as one. I, I remember rewatching it a couple months ago again. I was like, damn, this movie is so it hits. It hits hard. It's so good. And it's, it's a divergent from like, okay, like that sci-fi element, but I'm probably like prisoners arrival, Dune, Sicario, 2049, the enemy. That's probably my order. It's 2049 is our, our uh, breaking point. But no, no, but like, I think enemy, I get like, cause I think the top five is just separate from enemy. Like I, I like, I, like, I agree with that. I'll rewatch 2049. It's a little slow for me, but it's it looks beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So that does it for our debate on the race to the Oscar between Denny Villeneuve and Christopher Nolan, along with our rankings of best Denny Villeneuve movies. That's going to do it for episode 60 of the Drive-In Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media at the Drive-In for Twitter and Instagram. We're also on TikTok. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube Next week, right, French Dispatch and Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright and Wes Anderson, respectively. Until next time, we will smell you.